everybody to your favorite Wednesday night podcast, the Paranatural Cryptid Preservation Society, hosted by myself, Sooth, and my lovely, wonderful, fantastic co-host, Kellick. Say hello, Kellick. Hello. There she is, her beautiful self. And tonight we are going to bring you yet another one of our 31 days of Halloween in October. Starting tonight with a great, great movie that I love so, so much. So grab your favorite Whoopi, get your snick snacks, and your nearest and dearest snuggle buddy, and let's get into it. Tonight we bring you The Cryptid of the Ritual. I don't know if you've seen the movie. It's on Netflix. It's amazing. It's wonderful. I love it. It reminds me and has... You synced it. Girl, you synced it. You synced the movie. (laughs) I, too, have synced the movie. And it reminds me and gives the vibes of Midsummer. Um, I'm, I know you haven't seen that one because... I have not. I will the not. The irony. But that's okay. The irony. But it, too, is also based in Norse mythology, which is amazing. And it also gives the vibes of The Witch. Have you seen The Witch? I, I feel like I have. I might have. Not good. Not 100%. See, it's not gory, so I think you could get through it. It's definitely a slow burn, but I loved it. I enjoyed it, and I loved Midsummer too. Another one that I really, really loved that this movie also gives me the vibes of is Hereditary. See, you like all of the horror. Yes, absolutely do. Uh, that's not a, a fair comparison because you're pretty unbiased to all of the horror movies. And I prefer the, if I'm going to watch a horror movie, it's got to be a creature feature. And it can't be like overly gory, but I'm okay with some like psychological freaking out. I, I can, I can do, I can handle that. It's the beyond that where it starts getting into gruesome stuff. I can't get it. Okay, so what do you consider a creature feature to be? Like Dracula and Swamp Thing? Okay, no. no. So the ritual is absolutely a creature feature. Like that is like the hallmark of creature features. You know, you've got this monster that they kind of show you throughout the movie, but they don't give you a full good glimpse of it because they want the mystery there. I like that. I like that, like, you see the monster towards the end when it's all going to hell in a handbasket. And, yeah, I like that. So you like you like the slow burn thrillers and psychological thrillers. I would say so. Yeah. The ritual, because it's got that Norse aspect to it I really really dig it I can't get into the other ones just because I I have a hard time with people doing bad things to other people that's just it, it's a thing of mine so for me I like the creature features but the creature on this one as they have described it is a Jotun which uh, if anybody knows Norse mythology, I mean, we're we're talking like the old ones. The Jotuns were the originals. 
they are kind of like the primordial creatures. So they're kind of like the Titans in yeah. uh, Greek mythology, to be honest. But let's give a let's give a little synopsis for those of us who have not seen the movie The Ritual of what it's about and how a the Jotun plays into all of this. Now, before we get into all of this too far, just know that there may be some spoilers in this for those who have not seen the movie. So just FYI, heads up, there may be some spoilers. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't want the spoils and you want to see it for yourself and make your own judgments, you might want to skip this podcast and come back to it later. Um, good thinking, by the way. Good call. Just on wanted that. to shout that out. I, I don't like when people do that to me, so I just wanted to throw out that cautionary bit there. Good one. Good thinking. Okay, so the Netflix original horror movie, The Ritual, channeled some of the darker, more terrifying elements of Norse mythology through its introduction of a terrifying creature known as the Jotun. Now, this was uh, this premiered in 2017. It was directed by David Bruckner, and it's based off of a book of the Which same. I just name. learned that today. Yeah, I did not know that. Right? Cool. I want. I want to read the book now. Now that I know that there's a book about it, I, I want to read the book and see how the book and the movie compares because I love books. I love reading. I eat I, books. I, so I have heard. That this movie is one of the rare cases where the movie itself is actually better than the book, or so I've heard. Hmm. I, see, I can't say that. I can't say that because I haven't read the book, so I can't make the comparison. Fair. But I'll take everybody else's opinion and and be like, okay, then it must be like spot on and really, really good. But the whole premise to the movie is that a group of friends strained friendship okay not they're they're coming back together and they're going on a hike in memoriam of a friend who was unalived okay and apparently this is something that they would all do together uh regularly and this time they're doing it in memoriam of their friend. And it's a portrayal of the strained group of friends increasingly frayed decision makings. And it is a slow burn terror. And it has an interesting story. If you haven't, you know, I haven't seen it yet, but the story is really good. And the way that they portray the flashbacks to tell how this friend was unalived and how it happened and how it has put this strain on everybody and the friendship um, is played out really, really well throughout the movie because you're getting bits and pieces of it and then the whole thing comes together at the end, towards the end of the movie, where the Jotun um, basically reveals itself, right? And during the movie, you're only getting, as Kellick has said, you're only getting bits and pieces of what this cryptid looks like, what this Jotun looks like, which is being portrayed as a child of Loki. Now, 
I will say that Jotuns in general, I probably wouldn't categorize as a cryptid. However, we'll get into this later, but we have found a cryptid that is it's very close. And it's quite frankly terrifying. Like, I would put oh, it God, yeah. with Wendy Boy. Like, I don't know who would win between the two. Like, if they were to duke it out, like, Battle Royale style of the cryptids, I, I'm thinking these two might go head to head. I don't, I don't know if there would be a winner there. Oh, ooh, you know, I don't know either. I don't know either. Okay, so if anybody knows anything about Jotuns, um, Jotuns are considered lost in translation. And I say that because um, back in, in Norway around, I think it was 1066 CE, um, mm-hmm. they were conquered by, what was it, Alexander the Great? Uh, 1066, it was uh, the Norman, Norman, French, French, uh, William the Conqueror. Yes, that one. Sorry. I get, I get my uh, conquerors mixed up sometimes. Because, <laughs> you know, they're all, they're all pretty much bloody and gory anyways. So. <laughs> None of them are, are, I mean, that's why they're, they're called conquerors. William the Conqueror and... Yeah, anyway, so William the Conqueror comes in. He's like, you know what? I like this here. I like it a lot. I'm going to take it. It's going to be mine. And then, because he did that, we get things called loan words. And we got a bunch of French loan words when he decided to do the conquering of the things and the peoples. And so, Jotun has become giant when really it doesn't mean giant at all. Right. It's actually proto-Germanic for etunas or, well, I mean devourer. The devourers. Uh, I like that so much more than giant and it's so much more ominous. You know what I mean? Who who wants to go from being the devourer to hey yeah you're a giant, right? You like, are. <laughs> there and here's the thing like the Jotun are literally elemental forces. So the very first Jotun would have been Ymir, um, who I guess like the way Norse mythology goes is that the icy mists of Niflheim met with the heat of uh, Muspelheim and Ymir was born from the, out of the joining of those two extreme forces from both worlds in the great void. And when that happened, he went to sleep and gave birth to the Jotun, a Jotun son and daughter out of his armpits. And then his two feet procreated and gave birth to a son who was a monster with six heads. So Norse mythology is messed up, man. Like, <laughs> well, like, I mean, we, yeah, kind of. We come up with this stuff. Like, <laughs> Like I, uh, mating feet. You, you, 
can't make this stuff up. Like, how does that even happen? Like, like right? birth out of your armpits? I, you know, I don't know, or your feet for that matter, but I'm not knocking it. I love Norse mythology. It's amazing, especially their creation of the universe. And did you know, speaking of Jotuns, they are the parents of Odin. The they, are. they are. And Odin, In fact, it's actually better to... Uh, to reference them not as different species, because you've got the Aesir and the Jotun, but they're more like different tribes than they are different species. They're they're the same species, and when like when you think of the Jotuns, you think of giants, which obviously we've already tackled that one. The language translation difference, um, and these you know loan words, but in reality, like these things, these beings were all the same. They all came from the same. You just had your civilized and uncivilized one. That well, was the different. Yeah, that's a way to put it. Um, that's, yeah, that's a way to put it. <laughs> okay, well, so you know how. Well, it's. I know why you say that because we've got like. When you when you go into comparison with the Jotuns and then Odin and Thor and uh, Freya um, and the different the nine worlds, okay, you've got um, Midgard, which is Earth, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have the place that the Jotuns are from, um, Jotunheim. And right. then you've got Asgard. Asgard is above. And it's also the translation of Asgard is within the boundary or within the wall. And then Jotunheim is outside of the boundary, outside of the wall of Asgard. And that wall has an interesting story itself that also has to deal with Loki and one of his children, who is also considered a Jotun. Because so, Loki uh, married referencing a... Back, referencing back real quick to the movie. Right, right. The creature that was in the movie was one of uh, Loki's children, just like this. Sorry, I didn't mean to interject there. Go ahead. No, you're absolutely right. He is considered to be one of Loki's children. And he is grotesque. If you haven't seen it, he is grotesque. He, it, it, the mashup it, that they came up with to create this cryptid of two different cryptids coming together. Um, and I, I'm, I say that loosely because a Jotun really isn't a cryptid. But the way that they came together and, put, and made this cryptid mashup of two different right. mythologies to get this creature is terrifying. But let's, okay, so we got the wall, right? The wall that separates the two worlds. And the way that it is, the Jotuns are basically chaos and uncontrollable. And then you have Odin and Thor and Freya, who are within the wall of Asgard, and they are considered, as Kellogg so delicately put it... The the more civilized of them, and they were afraid of the Jotun because they couldn't control the chaos. So they were just, they didn't want to get rid of them, 
they didn't want to destroy the Jotun. They just wanted to have a way to contain the chaos, to maintain a semblance of balance, kind of like good and evil. Um, Yin and Yang. Yes, Yin and Yang, peace and chaos, you know, the whole nine yards. So They're, they're opposing forces, forces that require a symbiotic relationship. They require the other to survive. I mean, the the Jotuns, like the creation of the worlds, the nine realms, started with the Jotun and will also end with the Jotun because when with destruction comes rebirth. So just like you've got the like Jotunheim, which is the land of ice, you know, the, the ice quote-unquote giants, um, you also have the, um, the fire Jotun, and there's not a whole lot of information about them. Um, in fact, they are basically completely out of Norse mythology, except for the fact that they helped in the creation, and they'll help in the destruction of it. But they live in the world of fire, or in that land of fire, um, where uh, Ymir came from, Muspelheim. Right. So you've got the fire Jotun and the frost Jotuns. So it's, I don't know, it's kind of crazy. There, there's not a whole lot of information about that particular group, but what is understood is that they're all basically part of this chaos this um this turmoil of like the cosmos almost and and right with the story you could almost line it up with the creation of like planetary systems like if you're actually really looking into it and diving into it it almost has like this weird depiction of like when the planets came into alignment and all of that it's kind of crazy um, and that boils back even further to like ancient Sumerian texts of creation and all of that. So they all kind of piggyback on each other. They do. Kind of and it does. It does kind of make you think because it just proves the, you know, the point that I tried to make last time when we were talking about things like this with the uh, There Be Giants podcast. It's almost like every religion is similar if not in some aspects the same and they've all got almost pretty much the same creation story just instead of there being just one god like there is in christianity it's several gods that all have a duty and all have a responsibility to create one certain aspect of the universe or the cosmos as you were saying and it's it's a whole, it's a rabbit holes again. It's like the 10 finger rabbit holes or the spider webs, you know, they all connect to each other in some form or fashion. Just like this Jotun that's, you know, depicted in the ritual is connected to Loki, but it's also connected to a whole nother different mythology group with the, um, the one that the cryptid was mashed up with. What was the name of it again? The Nuklevi? The Nuklevi. Yes, the Nuklevi. And what culture does the Nuklevi come from? 
That, believe it or not, is actually Scottish folklore um, in the Orkney area. So northern Scotland, like right along the, the coastline of northern Scotland, the Northern Isles, I should say. So, and that one is just straight it's up gross. terrifying. It's That's gross. the one. When we first started, I was like, this is a contender against old Wendy boy. Because, like, this thing, it is literally said that there is nothing good about this creature. Like, nothing. Yeah, it has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. It is literally a pulsing fleshback right so merged together with it's basically it's a it's a skinless rider of a horse and the rider and the horse have merged together not like a centaur okay don't don't picture a centaur because it does have the head of a horse and everything the rider is literally fused to the back of this skinless horse and the rider is skinless and it's terrifying because it pulses and it's gooey and it's like nine to ten feet tall and it's got yellow veins with black blood and you can see all of it and then it shoots out like this doesn't it have like this poisonous gas or something Here's the description of the monster based oh, on the only first-hand account. Do it. All Tell right. them. Because it's gross, y'all. It's gross. Just prepare yourself. It's nasty. According to Tomas, the Nukalevi has a man's torso attached to the horse's back as if it were the rider. The torso has no legs, but its arms can reach the ground from its position atop the equian body, the legs of which have fin-like appendages. The torso has a large head, possibly as much as three feet in diameter, that rolls back and forth. The monster, described by Tomas, has two heads, the equian head, has an enormous gaping mouth that exudes a pungent toxic vapor and a single giant eye like a burning red flame. A particularly gruesome detail is that the Nukalevi has no skin. Black blood courses through its yellow veins and the pale sinew and powerful muscles are visible as a pulsating mass. So, yeah. So gross. So it's gross. That is disgusting. I will tell you right now, if I ran into something like that in the woods while I was hiking in the middle of nowhere. Oh, my God. Honey. No. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. out. Bye. (laughs) Deuces. I'm gone. See you later. And I'm dropping my pack, too, because it's just going to weigh me down. I'm already having going to have trouble running because I'm old and I got like some crickety knees and stuff. So I'm just going to drop everything and just take off. And you can't even hide in the trees. Your saving grace will be fresh water because this creature is actually, believe it or not, a, a sea creature. And... It is held back during the summer months by a mither of the sea, which is an ancient deity, and it's apparently the only thing able to control this creature. 
Now, this creature is kind of like the Selkies in a way. Um, but I guess in the wintertime, uh, Mither of the Sea loses her power over it and the creature comes to land. Now, as it comes to land, the only thing that can stop it is fresh water. So creeks, streams, rivers, lakes, you name it. That's your saving grace. So, but this thing is, the name literally translates to devil of the sea. So find a creek and stay there. (laughs) just wade out into the middle of the creek and stay there okay just stay right in the middle and just pray that you don't die of hypothermia because now i I, i'll take hypothermia over whatever that pulsing flesh bag is going to do to me and if uh, you've seen if you've seen the ritual it's pretty bad because this is what they've melded with this jotun okay so they just kind of put these two terrifying things together one that's just this chaotic i'm not even neutral i'm here to take you back to primordial days with this flesh bag of yuck that's just like and i'm here to kill you with poisonous vapor or trample you to death Ta-da! Now, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now kiss. Now let's mesh you together and make one terrifying creature. And in in the ritual, this terrifying creature will like the way it does it, it's almost like it opens its maw, which is on its chest, by the way. And it has human hands that comes out of this fleshy, fur-covered ginormous elk looking creature and it kind of just caresses your face and it's just like here I'm going to hypnotize you and I'm going to show you all of the bad things and the the worst things of your nightmares that you're running right? from it's got and, like Loki powers and like uh, yeah. illusion and stuff like that it's really freaking creepy yeah and then as you're like trapped in this illusion that this thing has it picks you up by your head and you're just like this rag doll that's just kind of flung around as it's walking and it just finds a tree and it's just like (laughs) oh this is a good place right here i haven't put any human ornaments on this one so here you go and you just you're impaled this forest is like the curio cabinet of this jotun yeah. I'll put you here, and I'll put you over here. This is good. This is good. This is, look at my home. Look at the things. I did this. It's so like, terrifying. Have you, seen, have you seen that meme of Will Smith on the red carpet with Jada, and Jada's sitting there all, she's all pretty in her lovely gown, taking pictures, and he's right beside her with his hands out like, ta-da, Vanna White in it. Right. That's this Jotun. Ta-da! Look what I look what I made. <laughs> look what I have. I have so many. Come, let me show you my forest of gruesome ornaments. Ta-da! You know uh-huh. what I mean? It's, so it's like it is terrifying. It's like a little five-year-old going, "Look what I made. Look what I drew, mom. Isn't it pretty?" No, it's not. It's terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) This is terrifying. And all of its malicious glory. So, yeah, that's how they came up with this 
horrible cryptid, the Jotun, now, for the ritual. Do we, do we want to hear this first-hand account, like the complete story of what, what this Tomas saw? Do we want to hear that? I kind of do, because I want to know how he got close enough to this full, pulsing flesh bag uh-huh. to figure out and it, that, and, and lived. Right. right. Lived. lived to tell the tale, did not become a human ornament. All right. So, late one night, and no doubt after a few shandies, an islander called name or called Tomas was walking home by the light of a bright moon. He reached a section of the path with the sea on one side of him and a little freshwater lock on the other when he suddenly stopped in his tracks. Something was moving towards him up ahead. Thomas, or Tomas, thought it was somebody on horseback, but as it got closer, he started to realize it was far, far too big. Whatever it was, he had that cold dread down his back that told him it wasn't good. But with water on both sides of him, Tomas had nowhere to go but backwards, and there was no chance he was turning his back to this monster. He stood his ground and said a little prayer as he began to make out the horrible figure of the Nukalevi before him. It was a strange hybrid of man and horse, seemingly fused together. The head of the man was enormous, with a mouth sticking out like the snout of a pig. It had arms so long it could reach the ground without even bending over. The wide mouth on the horse's head was sneering at him while steam belched out of it. Its single red eye stared right into him like fire. That wasn't the worst part, though. The terrifying Nukalevi wasn't just hairless, but completely skinless as well. Tomas watched as the red raw flesh writhed as if it as if this creature had been turned inside out. Even in the dim moonlight, he could make out the black blood pumping through its veins. Tomas's eyes kept moving over the beast, stuck fast with fear as it steadily walked towards him. The head of the human-esque part of the monster was rolling around like it was going to fall off at any moment. The cold dread down his back had turned to pure ice, and Tomas was shaking like a leaf. The only thing he knew was that the Nukalevi couldn't stand fresh water, so he forced his legs back towards the lock. As Tomas stood awaiting his fate, the horse's head lowered down in line with his. Its vast jaws opened up like a terrifying yawn, and a hot stench filled his nose. Huge arms swung down to grab the terrified man, but he instinctively stepped back into the lock, splashing one of the horse's legs. The beast let out a horrible thundering snout as it stepped away from the water. The swooping hands just missed dragging Tomas with them. He saw his chance, darting past and with fear serving like a rocket up his backside. Tomas's leg, Tomas liked it along the edge of the lock. He knew there was a little river ahead, and he could make it that. And if he could make it that far, then the Nukalevi wouldn't dare follow. But he wasn't there yet, and the monster was hot on his heels. He could hear snorting and roaring behind him like a storm on his tail. 
Just as he reached the river, he felt more than saw the long swinging arms coming for him, and he dove right into the water. Waiting to the other side, Tomas looked back to the Nukalevi, screeching on the other bank. As he panted for breath, he saw the only thing he had lost was his bonnet hanging from those enormous arms. And that's the story. So he survived because of the crick. Yep. Yep. That's what happened. Man, that's exactly <laughs> what I would do. That is exact. Thank you, Tomas, because that is exactly what I right? would do. I drop everything and, now and run. Be the Nukalevi. Right? Okay, so here's my question. In the ritual, I think the guy's name was Michael. He was the last guy... He survived. He lived. But I don't remember seeing him run past any or through any kind of fresh water. Right. Now, the the Nuka Levy is not necessarily a Jotun. Uh, at least not that we know of. Um, and I tried to search for its actual origin, and it was really difficult to find. Um, I couldn't find any real solid evidence of where that mythology and that lore came from. All it said is that it's from the Orkney area, uh, and it's been part of their folklore since way back when. So... It's, it does say, based on the wiki, that it does have a, um, a Norse origin, but it doesn't say what that origin is. So, so I wouldn't... That's crazy. I wouldn't base the, the, the fresh water part of the myth uh, to the movie, per se, but it definitely feels like the monster was based off of this Nuka Levy creature, I would say. I mean, that's the closest that's thing the closest I've thing seen. I've and I've seen some I've crazy cryptids. Well, not personally, but you know. I've <laughs> yes, we have researched, researched quite a few crazy I haven't cryptids. Seen I, me neither. I mean, we've seen some pretty gross ones. We've seen some some ones that are crazy and gross. But this one, I think this one takes the cake so far. Because it is fleshy and nasty and oozy and gross. And then mm -hmm. you, you just mash it up with this agent of chaos. Pretty much. That's just... You know, I mean, and took the body of an elk. Like, elks are beautiful. But then they just kind of mashed it up with this, like, disgusting, like, humanoid creature that's kind of now, a okay, symbiote. Hold up. It's just, so, it's, you saw it. So, Loki, this, this thing is clearly a product of Loki. Yes. Now, we don't know if Loki was the father or mother, because... Both at times. So, but we'll get into that. But this creature is a product of Loki. Did he do something with an elk? That's a possibility. And this monstrosity is what's left. I mean, this is the product of that. 
I don't know. Because you've got Sleipner, which is uh, Odin's horse or his steed, which is basically officially I'm titling it Spider Horse because it has eight legs. <laughs> but, I was just about to say the Spider Horse. It's, uh, it's one of Loki's children. Yes, and that goes back to that wall story that you were talking about, building that wall around um, uh, not Niflheim. Asgard. 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 Yes. So, building that wall, they basically said, we need to build a wall to protect us from the Jotuns. And so, they hired this builder to do that. And they didn't, but they didn't want to pay him. So they were like, okay, listen, we're going to put a stipulation yeah, on. Wait, wait, wait. The reason why they didn't want to pay him is because what was he asking for his payment? Uh, oh, right. They wanted, uh, he wanted uh, the one of their daughters, right? He wanted the hand of Freya. He wanted to That's marry right. Freya. If he finished the wall, by himself, one, use, one. right, using just his horse, he would have the hand of Freya. And the people of Asgard, Odin and all them, were like, no, 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 this cannot happen. And they were like, Loki, do something about this. And Loki was like, okay, I got this. I'll tell him that he can only use his horse. He can't use any men or women to help him build this wall. And he's got to do it within this allotted time. And guess what? This guy was so determined. He was so good at his job. He was getting it done. And he was doing it he was unnaturally it. fast. Right? And so, like, the Aesir were basically like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. We, we cannot give him what he wants. We can't pay him. So... Basically, they're just like, okay, Loki, we need your help. Do something. And he just like went out there, became a mayor, and not a mayor, a mayor, like the female horse, and then seduced this builder's helping steed so that the guy couldn't get it done in time. And then he still got it done in time. And he Loki gave birth to an eight-legged horse. Yeah, he came back six months later from from being out in the wilderness with this this steed, this mighty steed, and came back with this spider horse, as we're so lovingly calling it, because it's majestic. Spider horse, spider horse, spider horse. <laughs> we can make that the Spider-Man song. <laughs> <laughs> like spider pig, spider pig, spider pig does whatever a spider pig does. Spider horse, spider horse. Yes. Got Loki pregnant with the spider horse. Right? <laughs> anyway, sorry, I'm sorry, I digress. So Loki comes back with this horse and finds out that they were just like, you know what? I'm we we killed the builder. You, we couldn't find you. You were gone. So we killed the builder because he finished it. And we just didn't want, you know, Freya to marry this dude. So we just killed him. We just offed him. But we got our wall, dude. 
Look at this magnificent wall. It's isn't it awesome? It's great. But at what Loki cost? Is, ex, but at what cost? Exactly. <laughs> at what cost? Loki is done. Okay. Once you find out that Loki is pure agent of chaos, because he was—he's not really Odin's son. He was adopted pretty much by Odin and Freya. So he's—he's he's here. You know, I say adopted, loose terminology. Honestly, he was just kind of taken under their wing, became part of the group, you know, whatnot. He was originally a frost giant, and he marries a giant. And I, because I cannot pronounce her name, her full name correctly, I'm going to do the last part of her name, Boda. And Boda was a very fierce, one of the fiercest giants, giantesses, I should say, out there. So these two get together and get married and they have three children but he gives the spider horse to odin as a gift you know and he's just done loki is done with these people he doesn't give a patootie about odin and the asgardians anymore he's just like i'm gonna do my own thing and have fun and all that stuff and it ends up biting him in the bum Hardcore, because this is another similar uh, similar situation to Greek mythology, where he gets tied to a boulder, which mm-hmm. was supposed to be for the rest of eternity, and this poisonous snake is hung above his head, and it's poison drips from its fangs onto his face and it's agonizing excruciating and his second wife is the only one that can offer relief to him he only gets a certain amount of relief at a certain amount of time from his second wife who I can't remember her name do you remember her name? I don't don't. but we can't forget forget that Loki was not only just chained to this rock, he was chained to the rock by his child's entrails. That's, you can't leave that part out. That's just, that's no. brutal. That's well, brutal. these were the two children of the second wife, I believe. Um, Vel, Velier, and... Oh, gosh, I can't remember the second guy's name. I'm so sorry. I'm having a complete brain fart. But there were two. And Velnir was turned into a raging werewolf-type creature that ended up killing his brother. And then Odin used the entrails of said brother to tie Loki to the boulder. Uh-huh. And they were basically you don't you don't get much on these two, just that this is what happens, and they were basically meant to pay for the sins of their father. Right. Like could you imagine? You're living your life, you're good. You are the least chaotic giants out there. You're you're cool, you're chilling, and the next thing you know, your brother's turned into a murderous, raging werewolf who unalives you so that you could be the one to tie down your father so he could be ter- tortured for eternity. Right? Right. What? And it was all because they couldn't get Odin couldn't get his son back, Boulder. Now, now so the so, the Jotun, not all of them were bad necessarily though. Uh, 
So clearly Odin has some some grief about the Jotuns. He does not like them. He basically, I mean, he wants to wipe them out. And he almost did. Um, so apparently there were several Jotun uh, of importance that they didn't – they weren't bad. So Aegir and his wife Ran were two Jotun that lived in the halls underneath the ocean. And they used to put on great feasts for the gods. And, you know, even Thor would come to this place underneath the ocean, spend the night there, and then go fishing with Aegir the next morning. So they were kind of like buddies until Thor killed him. But that's, you know. And then Mimir was another Jotun that was actually very, very wise. Uh, and they think that he got his wisdom from the well that was on his land, because at the bottom of this well were the roots of the world tree, Yggdrasil. And that, if anybody knows about, you know, Norse mythology, Odin hung himself or basically speared himself to the roots of the great tree down by the waters to basically self-sacrifice and gain the power and the knowledge of ancient runes or rune magic. And so the, these runic powers had come up through, I guess this well and had imparted wisdom on Mimir who ended up being almost like a, a confidant, not, I wouldn't say a confidant, um, somebody who, you know, gives wise advice to rulers. I, I can't think of that word at the moment, at but, the moment, but an advisor. Thank you. An advisor. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> I got but he you, was an, girl. And then he basically was just like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm done here. I'm, I, I don't want to help anymore. And he left and then everybody turned on him and he got decapitated. Um, but, but have you noticed Odin loved him so much that he was brought back from the dead, his head was just dead, so that Odin could talk to him. Anyway. Okay. Sorry. Okay, but do you see a pattern here? Because I see a pattern I, here. There is a pattern die, here. Die. <laughs> yeah, there. <laughs> There's the pattern of, I like you, I want to use you, and then I want to kill you after. Like, the moment you gain independence from me, and you see me for exactly what I am, is the moment that I need to murder you. But don't worry, I'm going to bring back parts of your body so that I can continue to use you for my purposes. You're fine. It's fine. We're all fine. Everything's good. Now, I am beginning to understand Loki a lot more now. And I didn't know that we were going to go down so many rabbit holes because of Mm. this great movie and get to this point to where I'm like, dude, I am siding more and more with Loki on this because it's like the more you find out of what he went through, he's like, dude, I just want to be accepted. 
Like, uh, you know that I'm an agent of chaos. I'm trying to be Switzerland here, <laughs> pun intended, and, you know, try to, like, you see what I did there? <laughs> I, I just want everything to work out, but I want it to work out in my favor as well. So I'm no different from you, Odin, or Thor. You know, I'm no different from y'all. Or Balder, for that matter. I want everything to work out in my favor as well. But, unfortunately, he was at the mercies of the court. Now, you know? I'm trying to find, trying to find the, uh, the Nordic family tree of Loki, and I think I've found it. So, okay. Farbauti, uh, he's a frost giant, or, you know. We we talked about the language thing in terms of giant, but you've got Farbauti, which I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, and then Laufe, and they had Loki, and then Loki is actually, believe it or not, related to Odin, like blood related to Odin, but kind of like cousins, extended family kind of thing. And then Loki. Like Loki, like Loki is kind of like, this is my third cousin from my mama's side. Kind of, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Who your people is, these are my people, unfortunately. That guy. And then Loki had two wives, Sijin and Angerboda. We'll go with that. Cause That's I don't why know I just call her Boda. <laughs> Well, that's why I just call her Boda. I mean, she's she was fierce, though, all on her own. And then her and Loki getting together, creating these fabulous children, Hell or Hella being one of them. (laughs) Right. Right. And her, I mean, does anybody know anything about Hella or Hell? Because she from Odin. And I don't know why Odin thinks that he just has to like dictate everything at this at this point. I mean, I know he's supposed to be all father and all that stuff, but I mean, let's really think about it here. He's just like, "Loki, thank you for giving me all of these wonderful mutinous children. They're so great. I'm going to take them from you and use them for my nefarious purposes, such as hell." I Honey, I see I see Loki, or I'm sorry, uh, Odin, as uh, what's-his-face, King Arthur from uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Like, I am your king. No, I didn't vote for you. Cause, like, <laughs> I don't remember voting for you. <laughs> well, this is a democracy. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Like, pretty much. It. We didn't vote for you. He's like, I am your king. It matters not. <laughs> Riding along on his spider horse <laughs> that Loki gifted him <laughs> through the veils. Hello, I am your king. You will do as I say. I don't remember voting for you. This is not a democracy. I swear. That's yes. No, that was perfect. That is amazing. That's exactly what it is. And I I love, I have a love in my my chest cavity for Norse mythology, for that pa- pantheon. I love Thor. I love Odin. Oh, yeah. I used to have a I used to have a little rag doll that my great grandmother made me hand stitched, and I named her Freya. Nice. I was like four. 
you know, so I'm carrying around this doll for like ever until it was unceremoniously dumped in the ocean. Thank you, Navy. Anyway, so I I love that pantheon and I love the stories. It's so gruesome. All of the stories are extremely gruesome and terrifying, but wonderful at the same time. But then you just got Odin, who's just like, I'm going to take hell. And she's kind of just, if you would just turn slightly so that I could see the beautiful side of you slightly to the right. Thank you so much. Because the whole left (laughs) side of her body was death and decay. She was a half and half. So he was like, you're going to go and you're going to rule the underworld. That's what you're going to do. And the underworld was basically all of the... Norris men and women who didn't die bravely. They just kind of died. And so right. they're stuck in the underworld. And, you know, because he reserved. Yeah, he reserved Valhalla for the other ones, the victorious ones who died in strange and magnificent ways. But so Hela has that part. You know, he's like, yeah, you can take that. It's fine. You do that. Because why not? Right? Now, and then you've okay. got. Okay. Here's my okay. question before we get any further. You've got Loki and Angraboda, right? And you've got Hell. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Then the other children, the Yormagander, the World Serpent, and Fenrir, the Giant Wolf. But then on the other right. side, you've got Stygian, right? He's a Loki's other wife. She's the goddess of loyalty and submission. And she they produce Nari and Narvi, who they were supposed to both be like really beautiful and like really kind, good people. And then they're the ones that ended up paying for their their father's sin, uh like by being killed and using their entrails to chain Loki up and all that. So, so right, sins paying for the sins of the father. <clears throat> right. And then you've got Holly, who is a mortal. And they Loki and Holly got together and they had Shago, who was the demigoddess of chaos and wit. So Loki got some action. Like, and that's not even the end of it. You've also got Zvadalfari, who was the magical stallion of that builder who produced Sleipner, so the eight-legged horse. So they, they that wasn't, that wasn't a horse, but Loki got some play. Okay, that's just, that's all we're gonna say. He got some. It's uh, it's big D energy. That's what we like to call that. That's that big D energy. <laughs> um, I'm trying to keep this as kid friendly as possible, so I'm not gonna like continue with that statement. Uh, but Loki got some action. He got some play, and I think it had a lot to do with his shape shifting abilities. But can we please talk about how his children are so varied in all of their chaotic, beautiful right. mastery of these natural? gifts this they're just they're literally forces of nature and that's why odin and all of them are like scared of them scared of them and scared of the jotun because he was literally out there just running off willy-nilly okay 
there was no safety on that gun, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and he was just like creating all of these masterpieces that nobody could control. And Odin's just over there like, oh, I got to do something about this. What do I do? I don't, I'll just I'll give them jobs. That's what I'll do. Uh, this way I can <laughs> keep an eye on all you mofos out there just running around all free willy like so one the the world serpent who is Mm -hmm. supposed to usher in ragnarok he just kind of was like you won't stop growing so i'm gonna throw you into the ocean in midgard midgard serpent that's that's our ocean just so you know yeah bloop anyone yeah (laughs) right that's what i was about to say it gives bloop a whole new meaning right Uh (laughs) whole new meaning to bloop so you got bloop out there so uh midgard serpent and if he ever drops his tail y'all just go ahead and just give it up because that's supposed to be the beginning of ragnarok where fairnir the giant dire wolf thing that was tricked into being chained up by not chains that is um a fallacy um he it was not a chain it was an actual ribbon made of impossible things by the dwarves so he's tricked into being held captive by this ribbon and that's how was it balder who lost his uh, no tear tear lost his his hand to fenir so and fenir is the one who was supposed to kill thor in ragnarok now thor ends up becoming Fenrir's, victorious fenrir is supposed to also like swallow the moon or something yes and and it destroys the tides tsunamis Havoc, Armageddon, end of days, uh, eat all the Twinkies. By the way, um, the sun and the moon are also Jodens. Just heads up. I, I I found this earlier. I don't know if I shared it with you or not. But so apparently the sun and the moon are Sol and Manny. And they are in the Old Norse. Uh, they are Jodin. And they are like beautiful Jotun, and um, the sun and the moon are supposedly pulled by chariots, and yeah, they're supposed to be uh, Jotun that are taken over during Ragnarok or destroyed. So yeah, like There's see what we mean? Elemental forces, like the Jotuns, are quite literally like elemental forces of the universe not just like oh yeah they're creatures no these things are like natural phenomenon so like the sun the moon like literally tides yeah like exactly midgard is supposed to be made up from the remains of ymir so like Literally, our land is supposed to be made up uh, from a Jotun. So, some of the when they they do, I can see why they chose giants to represent Jotun, like that the term Jotun or that old Norse name. But like, it's 
it goes so far beyond that. It's it's more like these elemental forces that govern like all of creation. So, so I don't know. And it's, then you have Odin. And then you've got Odin who's yeah, trying to control it all. Right? But think about it, though. <laughs> when you look at the descriptions, now that we have shown you that the ritual cryptid, the, the Jotun, mm-hmm. is an actual being that, for the movie, they kind of mesh, meshed up two different mythologies or two different pantheons and put them together, okay? But... Moving on. Now that we have informed you about all of Loki's trysts and all of the things that he created, and then you take those wonderful things, these wonderfully chaotic, horrible things, and then compare them to Odin's children. I love Thor. I love Thor. I do. And I love Tyr and Balder. I love all of them. But then you look at them in the descriptions. Thor is dumb is a box of rocks. Okay, <laughs> yeah. he's just supposed to be full Place of himself. Yep. Yeah, but he's not all there. He did, The elevator doesn't go all the way to the top floor. He doesn't have a full box of crayons. You know right. what I mean? Which apparently most don't. Um, the, that one, uh, what's his face? The one that, <laughs> Mimir. The one that Odin decapitated. He was one of the that actually like Odin looked up to and sought advice from and actually gave his eye as a sacrifice to have a drink from this well, from Mimir's well. That's how Odin lost his eye. It's incredible. It's a, now I know why Odin is so attached to Loki's kids, you know? Yeah, yeah. They can actually. I mean, they, they, they do. I mean, they, they do stuff. There's a relation. <laughs> there's a. We have. We have so hmm. many comments. We have so many oh, comments. My. We should. Oh, yeah, we should probably listen to these. Let's listen to these comments real quick. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's do it. Right, let's do it. Um, I I am a little late. Just a few minutes. But hi, girls. Hi, ladies. How y'all doing? Hi, Miss um, Tina. Y'all gonna be proud of me? Well, kind of. I have M&M's. We're not gonna talk about it. But, however, mm-hmm. comma, I killed a big, a big spider today. <gasps> yeah. a big spider today. I'm pretty proud of myself. You conquered a fear. When I tell you, that thing was huge. <laughs> <laughs> I killed that thing. I killed it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good for you. I killed it for a, a citizen. Mm-hmm. I was helping You're this lady get her bags and put them into her other bags that were really big. And there was a big old spider just crawled out, and I heard her like, "Ah, there's a spider!" And when I tell you, I shook that thing out and stomped on it. I jumped on it. I kicked it. I called it a whole bunch of names. I said, "I hope you spilled Assault. milk on your bed." I, I was, just, I was just pop, pop. You would have thought I did Not a two milk. step. You would have thought I did electric slide on him. Not milk! Not milk on the bed! No! <laughs> Assault! Assault with a deadly Tina! <laughs> okay, moving on. That was great, Tina. I'm so glad you conquered a fear today to save a citizen. That is amazing. I'm very proud of you. 
just just an audio that I've used on TikTok. He's like, your horrors may be beyond my comprehension, but they are not beyond my insatiable lust. Come here and kiss me, you unholy abomination. <laughs> oh, God. Exactly. That's exactly it. That's, ex- yes. Nail, head, done. You got it. And that's spider how horse, spider horse does whatever a spider horse does. <laughs> oh no, that's gonna that's gonna have to be added to the merch. I can see it now. I just want everyone to win, especially if it's me. Probably Loki at some point. Yeah. No yeah, doubt. Unfortunately, yeah. Loki, I guess, has yeah. the the last laugh on the whole uh, you know cosmology of Norse mythology. Agreed. So. He really does. I didn't vote for you. Help, help. I'm being repressed. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Now we see the violence inherited in the (laughs) I love that movie so much. And I love their little, it really is their little homemade commercials that go with it. The whole, (laughs) I want spam and eggs, but with no spam and no eggs. So you want spam and eggs with no eggs and no spam? That's not what I said. <laughs> oh my goodness! And that was a song too. Okay, moving on. Yo, I love the ritual. The ritual operates yes. on very well on a few different levels: exterior and interior horror. It's yes. very well paced. It's well shot. It's well casted, and the monster is one of the most creative and well presented monsters ever. Right? Agreed. It, I more totally more agree. If more horror movies were made like The Ritual, I'd probably watch more of them. <laughs> but no. I, I just, See, that's why I keep telling you, need to, you need to watch Hereditary, but you can't get past the gruesome. If there's not a lot of gruesome parts in Hereditary, I think there would probably be maybe three scenes where you would have to close your eyes, girl. But other than that, it's a lot like The Ritual. So good, though. So good. And Midsummer, I have watched Midsummer like seven times. Another really good one that it, that like completely scrambles your noodle, but there's no way you'll be able to watch it. I'm sure Big Red has seen it. Um, Mother. Anybody here seen Mother? Holy crap balls, Batman. Nope. Mother is amazing. I cried through that movie. It was so incredible. That's to not get the to one Valhalla, the- you just have to die in battle. So if I like start choking, can I just like throw a punch to the person closest to me? Does that count? Or do I have to actually like, <laughs> an actual battle? <laughs> I think you'll actually think have to like. Die, die by the sword. In a, yeah, in a diabolical, very horrific, painful death to get into Valhalla. But yeah. look here. Yeah. Hell is amazing because she rides, she sails with Loki, her father, during Ragnarok with her army of the undead. So you end up becoming a part of an army anyways. Yeah, you know, that end takes, of the world. Yeah. Apocalypse. End of, no big deal. Yeah. The last laugh, they get to go up there and destroy Asgard. They take down that wall anyway. I mean, I'm just saying. The story of Loki and his children and 
his children's children and all his wives and how he uh, sired all these crazy mutant beasts um, is really interesting and confusing. But Neil Gaiman does a great job of it in um, his new Norse mythology book. And I have both of the graphic novels and it's really good. And you realize, like, Loki is, like, the central catalyst to the North Pantheon without whom these other major gods, Thor and Hela and Odin himself, wouldn't be as great as they are if they didn't have to <laughs> react against Loki's constant meddling. He meddles in a way where he'll cost lives and fortunes and kingdoms and all that shit. But, um... He always ends up losing, and then losing in a way where somebody else is made greater. They actually present that very well in the Marvel Universe as well. And that's why, that's why we say, like, if they've got this, like, symbiotic relationship where, like, they need each other's, like, craziness and balance to, you know, keep things going, keep this engine going until, you know, the day of Ragnarok. So, like, they're opposing forces, but one can't live without the other. So, I don't know. It's true. No, it's true. I, I, You're... Go ahead. I, I just find it interesting how there's that, that theme of yin and yang with, you know, all these different cultures. They're, you have to have one to have the other. Like... You can't know what goodness is unless you have evil, but at the same time, it's like you can't have evil without good. Like there, there has to be a balance there between the two. Exactly. And they're all conniving. All of them are conniving. Oh yeah, none of them are like great as individual. I don't want to say people because they're not really people. As individuals, they're not that great. They're all yeah. Quite Bad. <laughs> Conniving but, back, but. stabbing people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Asgard is on Game of Thrones. Don't let him yeah. fool you. <laughs> they are absolutely Game of Thrones. Oh, my right? goodness. Right? <laughs> it is absolutely Game pining, of Thrones. Pining, and, you know, Thor's going to get the throne. No, Loki gets the throne. No, Odin's. I'm just never going to die. I'm going to live forever. Yeah, it's it's this big Game of Thrones up there in Asgard. It, it absolutely is. All right, let's re- let's hear these other ones. Was the ritual the film uh, where they're like in um, some Scandinavian country? I'm not exactly sure, but they uh, find a freaky like cabin with like weird antler fucking uh-huh. art. <laughs> arts and crafts. Yes. Am I, am I thinking of the yes. right one? Yes, Sweden. you absolutely are. You're, it's Sweden, and you are thinking about, that's exactly it. That is the, the movie we are talking about, the ritual and the freaky monster that, or the cryptid, the Jotun, <laughs> that comes out and terrifies and everyone and burns down things and eats people and then decorates the forest with their bodies. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but those three scenes are very impactful, and they're fucked yes. up. Um, yes. Just a few seconds, but once you really let your eyes adjust, you'll be like, oh, fuck, that's sick. Um, <laughs> shout out to Hereditary. Yeah. Yes. I like me an, a, an A24 film, period, but that film really has reinvigorated horror, as far as I'm concerned. Yes. Shout out to you ladies, fucking uh, the Paranatural Cryptid Preservation Society. Heck yeah. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You. 
I really appreciate it. And if you want to listen to the rest of our podcast, you can find us on um, Spotify. And you can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio. And we've got so many podcasts already out there. So you should definitely check those out for sure. If you enjoy this one, you'll enjoy the rest of those for real. We've we've got our solo link up above. You can click on it. That'll take you to platforms that we're on along with the social media and uh discord so if you want to join our discord channel we've got um all of our all of the everything that we use for our podcast we post there afterwards so that you can research for yourself and see what what the heck we're talking about and if we're telling the truth and all of that so yeah yeah. Exactly. And it, we post all of our research that we have done ourselves so that you can continue the research on your own if you're still interested and wanting to go further and learn more on anything that we haven't covered in our podcast here. So we've got the Twitch. Twitter, we've got TikTok, we've got uh, Instagram. We are we are pretty much everywhere. We are everywhere. You can't miss us. And soon, <laughs> announcement, we are going to be on Google and Amazon Music as well. So you will literally be able to find us everywhere. Everywhere. We you can't get away from us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's listen to this last comment here. Also, I just noticed uh, one of the viewers' names in here. Your biological father. Hey, yo, where my child support at? Where my child support money at? <laughs> I know I'm an adult now, but you, you, my hand is itching. Okay, and therefore that means you owe me some money. Uh huh. You sitting there with them fancy glasses and your red outfit and your tie. Where you get that red hat from? Michael Kors. Mm-hmm. If you got Michael Kors money, then you got money to put in my hand. Mm-hmm. Come on. You don't put yourself out there to name yourself your biological father. You come on. Give me, give me my money. Give me my money. Thank you. Here, my hand is open. It's empty, and you need to fill it with money. Give me. Tina, <laughs> Tina has turned stupid, into no Brianna. more M&M. I, I no more M&M's yeah. for tonight. Yeah, no more you M&M's for you, girl. No more M&M's for you. No more. She's over here turning into Rihanna, asking random people, look here. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Thank y'all so much for joining us tonight for the ritual. It was amazing. We have gone down so many rabbit holes and spider webs. And it was incredible and fascinating to find out how this cryptid was made and how it has roots in so many different cultures. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. We are here every Wednesday night for our Paranatural Cryptid Preservation Society and doing a new cryptid for you every Wednesday. And next Wednesday, we will have another horror movie cryptid for your viewing pleasure. We're also here on Fridays. And every Friday this month, we're going to be reading No Sleep and Creepy Pasta stories theatrically for our 31 days of Halloween for October. So join us if you would like to hear that on Friday nights at 8 o'clock or Kellick. 
Wednesday or 9 p.m. Central or Eastern time. I'm sorry. That's right. <laughs> right there. So, again, thank you for your participation. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for sticking around and listening to our goofy selves go down all of the history and all of the wonderful pantheons that we discover each and every week. We really enjoy having you all here with us. And you thank you awesome. so much. You're awesome. So, what do we always say, ladies and gentlemen, and babies, babies, and everyone in between? Grab your salt, <laughs> check under the bed, and make sure you look out for the boogeyman. Have a great night, everyone, and we will see you Friday. Take care, everyone. Take care, everyone.